This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about ambrosia, like the fruit salad kind of thing. Yeah. We'll touch on the, the mythological one. Tiny bit. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the story. But um, but but ambrosia has enough alternate definitions as it stands. We don't really need to get that far into mythology. I love this so much. <laughs> I have rarely been so delighted by research that I wasn't expecting to be delighted by. <laughs> I wasn't I thought I had a very clear idea what ambrosia was, and it turns out no. <laughs> Very few other humans seem to agree with you because, okay, because yes. your family eats this every year. Yes. Um, we make it uh, for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And yeah, I've come to learn most other people when they hear ambrosia, they do not think of this. But what, what it was, was my dad, it was his recipe. It was the only thing he ever made, contributed to the meal. It was pineapple, oranges, coconut, pecans, and pineapple orange juice. That's it. Um, and it was always sort of a comedy of errors because he would start with a whole coconut and he would get a hammer and a screwdriver, be out there <laughs> trying to open it up and then inevitably rotten oh. every time. Huh. And then he would go to the store and take it for a refund. <laughs> he would get a <laughs> refund for his coconut and he would get another coconut. Uh -huh. And guess what? It was rotten too. Oh. And so then we almost always use the shredded coconut. <laughs> 
Wow. But every now and then, it wasn't rotten, and it was so great because I love coconut. I know coconut is really divisive, but I <laughs> love it. And he would put aside like little pieces for me Aww. and the milk, and I, I just, I loved it. It was delicious. People, like my friends and family that I've introduced to it, love it. Um, and I would say we never in my family, it's never been ambrosia salad. We would never call it that. <laughs> uh, and it's not a dessert. It was a breakfast soup. A breakfast soup. Yes. Okay. It would be like a side dish during breakfast or like the main dish during the breakfast? The main soup. Uh, the, <laughs> the main, main breakfast soup, soup yes. as opposed to other yes. breakfast soups. Right. This was the only one we needed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think I'd ever even heard of ambrosia until I moved to Atlanta. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like it, it's the kind of thing that, I, yeah, I don't think I've even tried it, any version of it, let alone your soup version. How did you hear hear about it? I think it was just something, I don't know, just one of those things in the wind, you know? <laughs> the wind whispered, Ambrosia <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> or like or like maybe, yeah, like while I was researching some kind of uh some kind of old recipe or looking through old recipe books from mid century. Uh yeah, like my mom's mom from like relatively rural Ohio would make various fruit salads, um, but I don't think I remember them ever containing coconut or even nuts. She was big on jello salads, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. And some people do it's it's a wild west out there when it comes to ambrosia. It is, it is. Gelatin can in fact be involved, but this brings us to our question. It does. Huh. Ambrosia. What is it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, as we've been saying, it can mean a lot of different things. Uh, most humans, yes. from a brief survey of the internet, uh-huh. um, seem to agree that this fruit salad version that we are talking about today has to have a fruit element and a creamy element. Lies. <laughs> maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe the coconut is yeah. the substitute yeah. for the, I don't know. Yeah, because we're going to get into that because I've come to learn to my horror that a lot of people use marshmallows, and um, <laughs> <laughs> the marshmallows was a replacement for the coconut. So maybe, yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a mess. It is, but, I mean, we, okay, so we don't usually do this, but in this particular case, it was so funny that we wanted to include it. Yeah, so we have the Merriam-Webster definitions. <laughs> One is the food of the Greek and Roman gods, uh-huh. the ointment or perfume of the gods, Okay. something extremely pleasing to taste or smell, a dessert made of oranges and shredded coconut. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I love this. A side note, a trademarked apple variety called the ambrosia. But yeah. that's not also not what we're talking about. Um, because, okay, so, yes, there are so many variations. Um, it seems like a lot of American versions include uh, canned orange wedges and canned pineapple, uh, coconut flakes, marshmallows, and uh, whipped cream or Cool Whip or sour cream. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> uh, other editions, you're going to be so mad at me. I'm sorry, oh, Annie. No. <laughs> other editions can be uh, chopped pecans, maraschino cherries, uh, canned peaches, fruit cocktail, raisins, pudding, cottage cheese, mayo, miracle whip, honey, vanilla, Almond extract, probably not all at the same time. It's like a oh. pick. It's like a pick and choose your your cream and your fruit and your crunch. Mayo, 
Sorry. No. I'm really No. I had I look, it's not the it's nightmares. not me. I wrote it down. I think it just provides a little bit of tang. Just a little oh. tang. No. <laughs> Everything in me is revolting against this. This is not right, Lauren. Um, some fresh updated versions include like like fresh clementine wedges instead of the the canned mandarin variety and other fresh fruits like a grapefruit segments or banana, pomegranate seeds, mango, papaya, some fresh mint on top maybe. Mm-hmm. Man, what a world. What a world <laughs> out there. <laughs> uh, I did some I, – I had like a sidebar research into New Zealand's version of this because apparently it's big there. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and those tend to include uh, whipped cream and yogurt as the uh, as the cream base, and then berries or other cut fruit like uh, like grapes, and then marshmallows, and then chocolate or gummies or both, and then sometimes <laughs> crumbles of meringue. How interesting. I know, right? <laughs> also, they call gummies soft lollies, and I had no idea that that was a oh, thing, but I love fun. it. That's really fun. <laughs> I did read, um, because this was news to me, that cream is usually involved. And I did read that that is some of the— Whipped cream, yeah. Yeah, that that's some of the problem with it is that then it degrades pretty quickly. Like, you have to eat it fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, So I'm wondering if in my family somewhere along the line they were like, you know, this isn't worth—we're not going to eat. Because we make huge tubs of it. Oh, okay. We're not going to eat that much that fast. Let's just get rid of the cream <laughs> element and replace it with orange juice. Easy. Easy. Yeah, and then you've got your fruit soup. But uh, <laughs> there are a lot of interesting takes on it right now. People experimenting with it, trying yeah. to get back to the roots, but also trying completely new things. Mm-hmm. And one of these that I found really interesting uh, was a recipe from the 2006 book, The Lee Brothers Southern Cookbook. And their version had ingredients like celery, avocado, Cucumber, basil, and jalapeno. Wow, I'm. That's a whole separate. Yeah, that feels like a different thing. Yeah, I want to try it, but I don't know. Yeah, this is this is like a this is reminding me of gazpacho. Anyway, okay. Um. Uh. Yes. So I've seen. Yeah, I've seen recipes without the 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 fresh whipped cream. Yeah. That call for it to like sit overnight to kind of like meld in the fridge. Um. And then other recipes that are meant to be served fresh. I've seen it described as, like, gooey, creamy, or fluffy, very sweet and a little tangy with, like, bright sparks from the fruit and a crunch from the coconut or other stuffs. I I do – I've spent an embarrassing amount of time perhaps thinking about my favorite part of ambrosia. And I do really love the um, texture difference of the the pecans and the coconut against everything else. It's a nice little – a little, little fun thing fun, happening yeah. in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's totally a brain thing. Your brain is excited about novel textures. Yeah. And so there's that combination. It goes like, ooh, yeah. let's try more of that. Which I, a lot of friends I have don't like coconut, and they always say it's a texture thing. Fascinating. Yeah, well, I think that, I think like packaged shredded coconut uh-huh. tends to be like just so like desiccated and like sure. weird. Like when you have that fresh stuff, oh, oh. man, it's a whole different thing. It is. It's delicious. It is. It's crunchy. It is. <clears throat> All right. All right. What about some nutrition? Oh, I'm not even, y'all. <laughs> it really depends on what you put in there. It's probably got a lot of sugar. Yeah. Um, if you're putting, I mean, y'all, let your conscience be your guide. Like, <laughs> I, if, you're, if you're putting, like, marshmallows and also, like, Miracle Whip and also Cool Whip in something, that's not a salad anymore. <laughs> and you're going to make Annie upset. <laughs> If you enjoy it, go for it. Yes. But don't don't invite Annie over. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Um, you know, as as always, treats treats are great. Portion control is important. Um, it's really funny to me because I always assumed ambrosia was healthy because it's just fruit, right? Well, um, I mean, you know, fruit is. I mean, fairly. I mean, I, did your dad use canned fruit or fresh fruit? Fresh fruit. Fresh fruit. Oh, well, see, there you go. Yeah. That is healthy. That's fine. Yeah, I'm assuming it's the juice. Probably where things would go wrong there. Yeah. Again, <laughs> portion control. You're like a like a small glass of juice is just fine. I'm sure that you were consuming less juice than a glass. Yeah, because the juice is my least favorite part. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, in the hierarchy <laughs> of ingredients in ambrosia, the juice is on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, you're learning so much about me today. Um, <laughs> numbers are kind of hard to come by. They are. Perhaps because it's such a wide. <laughs> Variety. <laughs> variety of what it could possibly be. Uh, but it seems that these days, not too many folks are making ambrosia. I can certainly say in my group, I'm the only one yeah. that does it. Um, and those that do are largely in the South. I It varies. Like, okay, so again, it's it's, it's difficult to track down real numbers. But, um, but since Google Trends has been compiling data about what people search for, um, which is since 2004, uh, folks in Louisiana have been more likely than anyone else in the United States to search for ambrosia, the fruit salad. Um, but filling out the rest of the top five um, is uh, Connecticut, Vermont, Rhode Island, and Hawaii. How interesting. I know. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, also during that time, Canadians were equally as likely as Americans to search for it, but New Zealanders were way more likely than either of us or both of us put together. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and after that, Australia is basically the only other country in the world with, like, appreciable interest in searching for ambrosia, the fruit salad. That's, I love that. I got to get to New Zealand. Uh, Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's all the cream-based kind. (laughs) I'm open to try it, unless mayo is in there, and then, (laughs) whoo, stay away. But I'll I'll try it Uh, with an um, open mind. I I believe you. (laughs) Uh, no, I, you, one bite of anything, you yes. know, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe two. See if the second one does you better. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, in the United States, searches for it do peak every year in uh, November or December. It can vary with uh, smaller spikes around Easter and also the 4th of July. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it looks like in New Zealand, again, based on this Google search data, um, it is like for Christmas and or New Year's. And that's what it's for. Right. Um, but I also read recipes saying it's like a classic barbecue bring along thing. I don't know. Hmm. Um, Canadian interest is a lot more sporadic. Ambrosia any time of year. <laughs> you know what I'm feeling like? Ambrosia. Fruit soup. I need <laughs> <laughs> It really is. I think that's what, you know, it should go by. Different name. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah. Um, something else I have come to learn through this research is that ambrosia has a bit of a bad rap these days. <laughs> and it seems to be the consensus that's largely because of the jello and or coconut. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention that there are definitely some versions that um that are like a like a jello salad right. version of an ambrosia salad. Oh, I salads. so many things it could be. Salads within salads. The possibilities. Oh. The possibilities. Yeah. Um, but it used to be pretty well liked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's get into some of the history. But first, let's get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. back thank you sponsor yes thank you and yes we did want to touch on briefly uh ambrosia in mythology yes yes because in greek and roman mythology ambrosia was the food of the gods particularly those who resided on mount olympus eating it gave them immortality Mm -hmm. without it they grew weak ah it was described in some places as a sort of porridge composed of honey fruit olive oil barley cheese and water Huh. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in for a second. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Huh. Others described it as an herb that uh, prolonged the lives of mortals and gave gods immortality. Um, the gods bathed in ambrosia in Homer's Iliad. Um, they also used it like a perfume. Any mortal that dared eat ambrosia did so under the threat of death. Uh, <laughs> the ultimate punishment for partaking in a divine food meant only for the gods. Don't you dare. Yes, and now it means jello salad <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, the Greek poet Ibicus first coined the name in 6th century BCE. It might be a combination of ancient Greek words um, for not and mortal, you know. Okay. I- immortal. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and now, of course, that's not the, the sometimes jello-based dish that often graces southern potlucks. Different thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. A little bit of a separation, yeah. Yeah. So recipes for ambrosia-like dishes first began appearing in cookbooks in the late 1800s, coinciding with citrus fruit becoming increasingly available in markets. 
Most of these early recipes were simple, layers of sliced orange, coconut, and sugar, typically presented in a glass dish. And if you remember from our oranges episode, at the time, citrus could be really expensive and hard to come by. So citrus dishes were reserved for special occasions like Christmas. Yeah, yeah. All three of those foods would have been like, right. like oh, man, like this is expensive and fancy. Yeah. Pineapples. Yeah. That's one of my favorite. If you haven't heard that one, it's oh, got one of my favorite is a great episode. random facts in it. Yeah. Over at Sears Eats, Robert Moss's article, How Ambrosia Became a Southern Christmas Tradition, uh, which was so, so detailed and helpful for this episode. Thank you. <laughs> really good. Uh, posits that ambrosia possibly originated in the southern U.S. The earliest recipe for it Moss was able to find was from an 1867 cookbook out of North Carolina called Dixie Cookery, or How I Managed My Table for 12 Years, by Maria Massey Berenger. The recipe read, grate the white part of the coconut, sweeten with a little sugar, and place in a glass bowl in alternate layers with pulped oranges, having a layer of coconut on top. Serve in ice cream plates or saucers. Ah. However, recipes for ambrosia were fairly widespread across America by the 1870s, appearing in newspapers from Rhode Island to Kansas. These recipes don't make any mention of it being a particularly southern thing. And on top of that, these recipes appeared throughout the year and did not seem to be just a Christmas thing. Ah, okay. Yes. When the once exotic uh, fruits became more common, recipes for ambrosia multiplied rapidly. South Carolina and Georgia had been growing oranges since their early colony days, but the industry relocated to Florida by the 1830s when folks realized that the weather in Florida would be much more conducive to growing citrus. Yeah, none of those uh, freezes that will ruin your entire crop. Yeah. Yeah. After the Civil War, orange production shot up from about 1 million boxes a year to 5 million boxes a year by the 1890s. Oranges became more readily available and cheaper, especially in the South. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, railroads. (laughs) (laughs) The completion of a network of East-West railroads meant that coconuts were becoming more available as well. An article out of the San Francisco Chronicle from 1876 read, With each year, the demand for the coconut increases. Ships carrying coconuts from Hawaii, Tahiti, and South America docked in San Francisco, and from there, some whole coconuts were shipped east, while others were sent into small local factories to be grated and canned, primarily for the use of home cooks and confections. And this whole canned coconut thing is a thing that I don't think—I mean, I've seen canned coconut milk right. or cream, yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen canned shredded coconut Yeah, ever. I've seen pieces of it, like canned chunks, Okay, but never shredded. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Anyway. Future episode. Mm -hmm. As the dish became more commonplace, so too did differing interpretations of it. Mary D. Pretlow's book, Old Southern Recipes, that entry on ambrosia strongly advises against using canned coconut, while James Beard's entry on the same thing in his fireside cookbook read, the moist canned coconut works best for this. Love it. I know. (laughs) So great. Food battles. You know, it's one of our favorite things. Mm -hmm. Whether or not ambrosia originated here, the South really embraced it and diversified the dish, adding all kinds of fruits and even things like (gasps) mayonnaise. Oh, no. (laughs) Pineapple first popped up as an ingredient in the 1880s, or at least as a written-down ingredient. Um, Mm -hmm. Around the same time, some recipes called for adding whipped cream or a splash of sherry. Ah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Estelle Wilcox's 1905 recipe from the original Buckeye called for not only oranges and pineapples, but also bananas, strawberries, grated coconut, finished with orange and lemon juice. And this is 
when we see Ambrosia's path really diverge. The fruit salad and the dessert. <laughs> ah, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, however, for most folks, Ambrosia remained a simple layering of oranges, coconut, and sugar. Um, this is also around the time it started to pick up its Christmas association. Even though the ingredients were more readily available, they were still kind of fancy for the time. And oranges are in season during the fall. So, fall and winter, yeah. Right. In December, people could get their hands on fresh oranges, and it was a pretty special, kind of exciting thing. Mm-hmm. I think we forget about how exciting that must have been if you can't get them all If you the can't time. get them any time of yeah. year other than, like, right around December, January, then exactly. you're like, oh, this sweet, refreshing thing. Yeah. Yeah. Numerous holiday menus published in the 1920s from the South included ambrosia, usually as a dessert. Ambrosia's place as a Christmas dish only took hold in the South at this time, though. Hmm. <laughs> Everywhere else was making it whenever. Whenever. Yeah. yeah. Huh. In 1931, Washington, D.C.'s The Evening Star profiled the holiday foods of Atlanta— and Georgia in general. (laughs) And the journalist wrote that these holiday meals would include things like, quote, freshly killed pork and stacks of hot biscuits loaded on a plate like cordwood and topped off with pies and boiled custard make a favorite meal. The city folk will have their will have their bought turkey and ambrosia. Ah. The city folk. City folk. I see. Hmm. A couple of years later, Lucy Eberly published a recipe for ambrosia in the Evening Star with the comment, Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner would never seem quite complete without it. Huh. Yeah. Gosh. Certainly by the 1930s, ambrosia was more often referred to as a traditional Southern dish. A 1934 column called Old Southern Favorites by Mrs. S.R. Dull excellent name, (laughs) included a recipe for ambrosia. She wrote, The weekend before Christmas brought busy days. The holidays brought lots of visitors, both young and old, and the hostess always served refreshments, mostly cake of every kind and flavor, accompanied by something else good, such as syllabub, ambrosia, Spanish cream, and other things. The New Orleans Times-Picayune had a similar article that same year, and in 1839, Mrs. W.L. Owen wrote for the Portland Oregonian, down in Mobile, Alabama, where I lived as a child, we always had ambrosia for Christmas dinner dessert. It would not have been Christmas without it. Oh, and I and I love this like this like right the salad dessert divide. Yeah, apparently this is a big thing. Like different families will almost kind of like war about what course it should be served during. Yeah, yeah. I read a lot of people talking about how it will be served next to the mashed potatoes during the right. main thing, which is. To me, very bizarre because this is a breakfast soup. I don't know what everyone else is doing. (laughs) You have it for breakfast. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, yeah, people do seem to get – I love that too, the the extra layer of not only what is it. Yeah. But where – When do you you serve it? When do you serve it? I love it. Um, (laughs) People started experimenting – even more with ambrosia as more exciting ingredients came out, particularly sweeter ingredients, um, one of those being the marshmallow. Mm-hmm. In 1926, the creators of Marshmallow Whip, and you can see our marshmallow episode because it has one of my favorite random bits, and it's about Marshmallow Whip that we've ever done. I love it. Anyway, published a series of syndicated articles with recipes that included their product. Ambrosia was one of these recipes. Mm, yeah. There you go. The recipe instructed the maker to pick three or four things from this list of fruits. Oranges, bananas, grapefruit, grapes, strawberries, cherries, maraschino cherries, and stewed figs. 
as their base and mix with a tablespoon of marshmallow whipped cream. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, this is when a lot of, uh, of processed foods, were of convenience foods, were coming out. Right. And over the next couple decades, you would see a lot of people latch onto those as, A, a convenience, but B, a like, a like, oh, look at how fancy I am that I can afford these convenience foods. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And it, uh, that seems like... I'm sort of fascinated by this whole a company publishing a book to get you to use more of their ingredients and just having a wide variety of all kinds of recipes. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. A 1936 recipe published in the Omaha Herald called for a mixture of canned pineapples, white cherries, marshmallows, and whipped cream. A similar recipe from Louisiana's Monroe Star included half a pound of marshmallows in its ingredients. (laughs) Half a pound. A pound. Those things are light. I know. Gosh. I can't even fathom how many that is. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, uh, And it also, that recipe also included um, sliced oranges, heavy cream, and lemon juice. Okay. And, yeah, the guy who wrote the Serious Eats article, uh, Robert Moss, he suspects that the mission of coconut was because of the addition of marshmallow, which could replace the sweetness, texture, and even color of coconut. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, one of these is chewy and one is crunchy. Yeah. I guess I guess like coconut flake can be chewy. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. sure. And then in the 1950s, another player enters the ambrosia scene. <gasps> Gelatin. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, a summer ambrosia recipe published in a Texas newspaper in 1950 called for a packet of orange gelatin, orange rind, orange juice, shredded coconut, and evaporated milk. Okay. Yeah. Sure. A decade later, another Texas paper published a recipe for baked ambrosia. Baked ambrosia? Yeah. This one called for a can of pineapple, a can of fruit cocktail, bananas, mini marshmallows, grated coconut, mixed together, bake at 350. Huh. I've never heard of... I mean, I learned a lot in this episode, but baked ambrosia. Yeah. I mean, the jello salad thing makes perfect sense to me because there was nothing that a person would not turn into a jello salad during mid-century, but like... Oh, gosh. (laughs) It's impressive and terrifying both. I love it. Um, And also access to home refrigeration was a key part of Ambrosia's Popularity, yeah. Yeah, because now you could add in whipped cream or cream. Oh, sure. Yeah, or much more easily anyway to get get and keep those products fresh. Right. Mm -hmm. The 1950s is when the term Ambrosia salad started entering the literature. Previously, it had been called, well, a couple of different things, but then ambrosia. Mm-hmm. But then the salad idea yeah. really started picking up in the 1950s. Um, it gained popularity through the 70s, um, then went through two distinct peaks in usage in the early 80s and the mid-90s. Um, fewer people have been publishing things about ambrosia salads since 1996. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ambrosia in, in the literature is all over the place. Though there are, interestingly, peaks in the um, the 1870s, the 1890s, and the late 1920s that line up with these prior historical points that you've been talking about. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I find this so wonderful. It's kind of endearing to me that just this simple recipe of oranges, coconut, and sugar was refreshing and sweet and delicious enough that people decided to call it ambrosia. Right? I know. I love it. Oh. And tracing Ambrosia's history is sort of like a history of what people were excited about yeah. or what was cheap and, or, and available or inventive ways to make the holidays special on a budget. And I love that families personalized it so to their taste to the point that if you tell me you're making Ambrosia, I have no idea what that means. Zero. It I could... have no clear concept. <laughs> 
Could be literally anything. I assume fruit <laughs> salad? I'm assuming there's fruit involved. Yeah. But that's kind of the extent. That's sort of it. Yeah. And I love that. Um, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure recipe. <laughs> um, and as someone who makes dishes for holidays that I try to capture the spirit, mm-hmm. I also love that some recipes are, I, I think, all color-based. Oh, absolutely. Like green, white, and red for Christmas. Right. Or like yeah. it looks like the Christmas lights. Oh, um, sure. <laughs> it's... Um, it's just sweet to me that people trying to make something special and they sometimes fail spectacularly, but no one says anything <laughs> and it keeps getting made year after year. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of nostalgia for it. And I, I read some arguments that like it's 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 a tasty product. Like yeah. it like it feels like it might feel a little bit um uh, indulgent because you're you're doing this thing that you know that you're not. You're like, this isn't a salad, yeah. but yes, I'll take a scoop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sort of, sort of like a, you know, candied, candied sweet potatoes or yams or whatever yeah, with, yeah, uh, yeah. with marshmallow and brown sugar, and it's essentially a, a dessert, dessert. Yeah, but absolutely. it's served as a side dish. Yeah. <sighs> I find it, I don't know, something about it warms my heart. I did read a lot of articles of people, and it really cracked me up, of finally admitting to their mom or their grandmother that they, they hate don't ambrosia. don't like it? Oh, no. <laughs> and the, the being oh. so shocked. <laughs> Like, what? You don't like my ambrosia? Why have you waited 50 years? <laughs> to oh tell me my this? gosh. I I'm like committed to making an ambrosia salad for yes. one of the upcoming holidays. And um, I have no idea what it will be. It's gonna be like it's gonna be like a tiny amount. It's gonna be like like a cup worth mm-hmm. total because I don't think anyone but me <laughs> will, will have some. is gonna have any. Yeah. Um and yeah, but oh it is sweet. Yeah, literally and figuratively. It is. It is. <laughs> um, and we would love to hear from listeners what ambrosia means to you. Oh my gosh, so much. Yes. Send recipes. Send photographs. Yes. Let us know about your ambrosia mishaps. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, all of it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and we have some listeners who have already written in about other things, probably not ambrosia. Yes. Um, but uh, but first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. 
for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. And we're back. Thank you, Spencer. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener Mail. Like the gods. <laughs> it was very godlike and dignified. It was. If anything in this world. Those are two words. <laughs> <laughs> should I be applied to our listener mail jingles. Always <laughs> apply to us and also, yes, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel I feel powerful right now. Oh gosh. Emily wrote, I've been behind and after listening to the picnic episode with all the Yogi Bear talk, I needed to share my introduction to Yogi Bear. But before I could, someone else wrote in about her favorite picnic. Lo and behold, another Appalachian Trail AT through hiker. On the AT, we have special words and slang for a lot of common things. One is to yogi something. This usually means to talk to a day hiker or a weekend hiker and essentially get food for free. <laughs> <laughs> As the other through hiker wrote, a through hiker's appetite knows no bounds. Thus, my introduction to Yogi Bear. On the trail, many people get trail names, nicknames that describe some aspect of your personality, trail experience, or life experience. I met many a hiker with Yogi in their name. While through hiking, I listened to several podcasts and thought a lot about food, so I'm glad your podcast <laughs> didn't exist when I hiked. <laughs> Always happy to hear about another through hiker's experience, especially when it involves some surprise donuts in Pennsylvania, widely regarded as one of the worst AT states. Oh. No shade on the actual state. It's just full of rocks that hurt your feet with very few views. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. P.S. If you want to know more about AT slang, I'll share this other fun phrase, pink blazing. Pink blazing is when a hiker hikes slower or faster than he normally would in order to stay with a lady hiker he is interested in. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so funny. Oh, gosh. This is a subculture that I know nothing about aside from these two delightful listener males. Yeah. And, oh, so thank you. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, um, Taylor wrote... Thank you for the cider episode. You're welcome. My husband and I are big cider drinkers and decided to spend our summer vacation locally in Ontario, Canada this year. For 10 days, we drove around the province and stopped at 41 craft cideries. We sipped our way around the province, picking up bottles as souvenirs as we went. It was amazing the variety of cider It was amazing the variety of ciders that different people were making. Notable ones were a tequila barrel aged cider, oh, an Earl Grey tea cider and cherry cider. In the end, we estimated that we sampled over 200 different ciders and brought home more than 100 liters to enjoy throughout the year. There are actually three distinct cider and wine regions in Ontario, with other producers sprinkled throughout and almost 100 craft cider brewers. We've even taken it a little further and brew our own cider right at home. It's really simple to make. It just takes a little time and, of course, bacteria poop. 
That's wonderful. <laughs> oh, impressive. Gosh. That is impressive. I love this. Yeah. That is a lot of heck and cider. It is. And those varieties sound delightful. They do. Gosh. Ontario on the list. Yeah. We've been we've been getting a lot of uh, listener listener contacts about coming to Canada. It's true. I mean, I I'm down. I'm down. Maybe not in, in like winter. February. <laughs> maybe when it's warmed up a bit. That might be like a summer situation yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Um, well, we'll keep you posted on that. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, thanks to these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. The Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.